Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. Easter has come and gone for another year, a chance for reflection, a chance for renewal. We've been talking on the podcast a lot lately about walking with family and finding love on the Camino, finding a family in the pilgrim community around the world. And we've also spoken lately about the challenge of taking the lessons learned on the Camino back to our own communities. I know it's not easy to find the time to be still enough to enter into your inner journey. The world is so busy now, so full of clickbait and reality television and traffic and COVID-19 and global warming and bushfires and floods. It's easy to be swept away in yesterday, today and tomorrow. Not so easy to find the time to be still. I hope you found time over Easter to find a sense of renewal, of now, and of you. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the way of St. James. There are pilgrimages right across Europe under the blessing of St. James. The most famous and popular is what's called the Camino Francaise, from St. Jean-Pied-de-Port in France, across almost the entire width of Spain, to Santiago de Compostela. The remains of St. James, who was one of Christ's apostles, are interred beneath the cathedral in Santiago. Indeed, Santiago de Compostela translates as St. James under a field of stars. Pilgrims come from all nations, all walks of life, all vocations, and all are welcome. 2021 is a holy year on the Camino de Santiago. A holy year occurs when the Feast of St. James, July the 25th, falls on a Sunday. And with the Camino enjoying a resurgence in popularity in the last 10 years, 2021 was expected to be massive, with hundreds of thousands of pilgrims heading to the Camino. But COVID put a stop to all that. Indeed, Pope Francis announced late last year that this year and next year will be holy years. So there's much to be excited about. Vaccines are being rolled out around the world, and we're slowly but surely hearing stories from the Camino The pilgrims are back on the trail. Be patient and present. (laughs) Find the now in you. Time will wait. Your time will come. The Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu said, Life is a series of natural and spontaneous changes. Don't resist them. That only creates sorrow. Let reality be reality. Let things flow naturally forward in whatever way they like. I said earlier, the pilgrim community is like family around the world. Seek them out and you'll find a loving, welcoming fraternity. I've been following a small group of pilgrims in their new endeavour for a while now. It's called Camino for Good. One of the architects of the program is my friend Lindsay Tachinet. Lindsay's on the line from Tasmania. Welcome, pilgrim. Thanks very much, Dan. Great to be here. It's a beautiful day in Launceston. <laughs> it's always a beautiful day in Tasmania. Come on. Look, before before we get to Camino for Good, and that's the reason why we're talking today, how did the Camino come into your life? Uh, look, I, I guess in a way it's a long story. I really can't remember the day I learned about the Camino. Um, but it, I suppose it's a journey that started for me back in... I don't know, 2005, I, was, I went for a walk in um, Australia. There's, a, there's one in southwest Victoria called the Great Southwest Walk. Mm. It's about 270 kilometres or something um, in, in some, you know, quite stunning country and some reasonably um, mundane bush country as well, so there's quite a balance. Mm. And it was the first long-distance walk I'd done. When I came back from that, when I came out, I had a message on my phone to say that my mother was dying. And um, it was a two-day trip to get from where I was to where my mum was in hospital. And um, I managed to get there the day before she died. So it, it had quite an impact. There's quite a relationship for me between long-distance walks and and some sort of, um, I suppose, spiritual curiosity, I guess. Yeah. It's the best way to describe it. Um, a few years later, I walked um, the Larapinta Trail in, right. in um, Central Australia, 
and um, I came back and my father was dying. So, mm. so it, it's it's quite a significant thing. Long distance walking has been quite a significant thing, and and somehow I think the the resilience that I built up on those walks helped me to deal with. Um, I guess you'd say the trauma, but I suppose the grief that was to come. So, and in doing those, and I've done a number of other walks in Australia, and in doing those, you just hear conversations, uh, and the Camino comes up in conversation, and it sort of always felt like it's been part of one of the walks that you do. Um, but I didn't realise what how significant that uh, the Camino itself would be. Yeah. What, what, one of the things, I, I have a number of Aboriginal friends and I, I listen to conversations and they talk about this um, connection to country. And in a way I wanted to experience, I, I did the Bibbulmun track in Western Australia and part of the reason for that, I wanted to experience that connection to country. Um, and I realised that, that I, in a way I was walking on country that, uh, Aboriginal people had been there for three thousand generations, and yeah. and I'm, you know my, I'm a fourth generation white Australian, and I didn't didn't have that sense of connection that I would have liked to have. When I finally walked over the Pyrenees, um, that's the country of my ancestors, and so I had a very strong ancestral connection, even though they weren't from that region. I could feel the pull of my ancestors as I went over the Pyrenees. So that connection to country um, that I'd longed for uh, was evident uh, on the Camino itself. Wow, that's great. I really like that. So how do you explain the Camino when people ask about it? Um, (laughs) Well, see, that's when you need about four or five hours <laughs> and, a, and a few glasses of wine. But I, it, how it was for me, I, I, um, after, after my mum died, I was curious about, about life and I ended up doing a, um, a psychotherapy course, which lasted about three and a half years. And it was an experiential course and it did answer a lot of questions for me. So I became a psychotherapist. Um, I, I don't practice as a psychotherapist. It was a more a personal development thing. So I arrived on the Camino having done a number of walks and and having all these psychotherapy skills. I came back from the Camino thinking this is the only therapy that anybody needs. Yeah. <laughs> and and I suppose it's that if I if I looked at it for myself, it was um, the spiritual aspect was. Uh, connecting to other people, and and I, I'm a bit of an analyst. I'm, I'm a I like to analyse the way people think, and it seemed that when you met someone, you asked two questions. The first question was, "Where are you from?" Uh, which is quite a simple one. Then they, I noticed people. The next one was, "Why are you doing the Camino?" Yeah, and and that the answer to that question changed every time someone answered it. So. As as people walked along, they sort of peeled off the layers. I'm going to use a word: peeled off the layers of their soul, I suppose, and and exposed some really um, significant points in their life. And and people around my age, um, it's pretty hard not to have have had events in your life where you've had to deal with grief and loss. And I think. As you're talking about those things and walking, you're getting it out of your system. You're getting it, you know, you're getting that sort of trauma, that that body um, uh, movement mm. helps it to move through in ways that you just can't get in a in a um, any sort of talk therapy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder then if that is a form of sort of cognitive. Um, yeah, look, I, I, th- I think it is the, the thing that for me, I, I, had, I had a number of, when my father died, there were a number of 
um, tragedies in my family and I, there's a thing in psychology called uh, uh, complicated or compounded grief or where you haven't finished grieving one thing and the next thing happens and the next thing happens. Mm. And it quite, it quite shattered me personally and the way I dealt with it, I suppose, was to become quite a recluse. You know, I, I, I suppose I'd describe it as becoming... Um, I'd lacked my social resilience and I preferred my own company to reaching out to other people. So it, it had been quite isolating. And when I, when I... I knew before I went on the Camino that the challenge was never going to be physical for me because I've, I've had quite a bit of experience. I know, how to, I know how to avoid blisters. I know how to carry a pack. The weight doesn't worry me, all those sorts of things. My challenge was going to be um, engaging with people because all the other walks I've done, I've just pretty much done by myself and not had to talk to anyone. And I, from what I could gather, the Camino, especially the Camino Francais, was going to be very social, and yeah. I didn't know whether I particularly had the social skills, whether I was up for it, um, and the Camino proved me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder about that then, because um, what is, in your view, the most significant aspect of the Camino in terms of opportunity for change? The way I would describe that for myself is I felt like I had... Um, been touched by the best of humanity. I'd arrived on the Camino, you know, having, having, um, I suppose, skewed views about myself and about the world, and and it just happened that everybody, I noticed people came with a certain level of trust that their story was going to be sacred. I guess that's the word for it. And where I could I could tell my story to a complete stranger, and know that that I was being held in that, yeah. that that person was holding space for me, and I guess it's it's testimony to the types of people that that choose to do the Camino. There's a there's a, a level of humanity that they're open to give and receive. I guess. Yeah. Wow. Great answer. And. You and I met at the Australian Friends of the Camino yes. Conference in Adelaide in 2019. It was actually just a few days after my brother had died. And That's right. Yeah. yeah, you were very kind to me. Have you always been a kind man, Lindsay, or or did the Camino play a role in this more generous version of you? And and I suppose then, after what you've already told us, um, it must have been quite a delight to to find yourself emerging from this this sort of solitary um, existence? Look, I, I'd have to say kindness has been something that my, my parents, it was a value my parents held very highly. Um, I can't say that I've always lived up to the, to the hopes that they've had for me. Yeah. <laughs> Not that they've had those particular hopes, but it, but it was an instilled value, I suppose, what what happened for me on the Camino, though, was I had this overwhelming feeling that this is the only place in the world where I made sense, where kindness wasn't seen as a weakness, um, which is you know can happen, especially in business and in a male, you know, in a male-dominated business. Um, you know, acts of kindness can be seen as as weakness and and an opportunity for exploitation, I suppose. Um, and on the Camino, that didn't happen. And and for me, people were talking about, oh, when I go back to real life and and so forth. And and for me, and I said this a number of times, this feels like real life. Yeah. As I'm walking the Camino, this is the place I make sense. And and this is real life for me. Uh, yeah, that's that's how I'd put it. Thanks. It's a great question. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm always searching for quotes. Um, indeed, I'm always searching. <laughs> I suppose full stop. But <laughs> but this week's quote that I I used in the introduction comes from the Chinese philosopher Lao Xu, 
life is a series of natural and spontaneous changes. Don't resist them. That only creates sorrow. Let reality be reality. Let things flow naturally forward in whatever way they like. How, how then uh, did you find yourself one day thinking, I think I can come to terms with all of this grief in my life? Or was it a slow process where you thought, I'm ready to move on now. I'm, I'm ready to move forward. And, and the Camino has given me the courage to do so. Take us through that, that realization that, hang on a second, I am moving forward. Yeah, wow, that's a that's a significant question, Ben. <laughs> um, <laughs> look, I I got to a point prior to the Camino. I got to the point where life confused me. I couldn't make sense of it. Um, things I attempted, I. I I tend to be quite um, sensitive to what's happening around me. Um, like I'm in tune, I suppose you'd call me empathetic. But I'd lost, I'd lost my way. I had, I had no plans to do the Camino. But a friend, I was having dinner with a friend, and they said um, they were between jobs, and they said, "Oh, I'm thinking of doing the Camino." And I said, oh, I'll come. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, two weeks later, I was on a plane to Spain. I knew nothing about the Camino other than that it existed. I didn't know about albergues. I didn't know about, you know, pilgrims' meals. I didn't know about the towns along the way. I just had a one-way ticket and um, and I left the, left, uh, left the rest up to us, uh, fate, I suppose. So I was walking alone. The, the I got to uh, Puente Lorena and I was sitting waiting for a meal um, and being typically ignored. I think I have an invisibility cloak or something over me, um, <laughs> typically being ignored. And all of a sudden um, someone just comes up to me and says, oh, look, come and join us. And this was a group of people that, had met each other the day before in Pamplona and they were sort of this hobbled together a Camino family. And um, and so I had dinner with them and I felt some connection. Uh, you know, I guess this was normal. I then, you know, went for a drink after the meal. I had, I had some work to do. I, as a software developer, I sometimes have to work online and I had a computer with me. That was part of the deal with me going on the Camino. And um, lo and behold, they put me in their WhatsApp group. And I thought, why? I couldn't understand why people would want to have me in their group. I'd been in this social isolation for so long that I'd lost the idea that I had any qualities that would be compelling for someone to spend time with me, I suppose. And as I walked with this family, we, sometimes we walked together, sometimes we were separate, we ended up walking into Santiago together and they, they never ditched me. And it, it always struck me that even though I can't see those things in myself, this group of people liked my company and they were very honest and I had to believe them. I suppose. So it's their belief uh, in me that really helped me to uh, change my belief in myself. Um, having said that, though, I um, had a really bad case of the Camino Blues. I don't, uh, other people have probably spoken of about course. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, it was in in psychotherapy, they talk about this concept of ego death. And it was similar to, you know, walking those trails in Australia when my, you know, my parents died when I came back. A part of me actually died. You know, that ego death, the old me had to disappear to make way for the new me. And that took quite some time. Um, you know, and and that 
and the support of my Camino family continued. You know, our WhatsApp group continued. We are in, you know, almost daily contact. Um, and as I think we were all processing the experience, um, certainly changed each of our lives, I'm sure. So you then realised, uh, I'm changing, I've moved forward and I kind of like this person. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so, and in as part of this ego death, was there a kind of sadness to lose the old Lindsay and find the new? Um, it was probably, a, yeah, there was, a, there was a sadness to it, but it was more born out of confusion. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like I'd lost, I'd lost my frame of reference, I guess. Yeah. And now it was time to build a new one. And I knew in my heart that the Camino now at some level was my life, that, that moving forward, whatever I did, that was the thing that was, that was now my life. You know, I'm at a life stage where I could make those decisions. Um, and I, look, I remember speaking to um, Susie the other, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Susie from Casa Susie. Of course, yeah. And she, she was talking about how she got to, she'd come to a decision that the Camino was her life. And I said, well, look, I'd be happy to adopt a, a one-day stretch of the Camino and just walk up and back picking up rubbish. Like, that was, that was my, my commitment, really. I just wanted to be on there doing something, supporting it in some way, and, and part of that would be to walk with pilgrims along the way and, and you know, help them through whatever they would... I mean, that's a bit egotistical of me, but just, just be with them as they're going through whatever they've been through, you know, as a mm. sort of, as a way of giving back, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, the Camino is my life now and I know that to be, you know, I know that in every part of my being, I guess. Well, that's the perfect segue into the reason I'm talking to you. Not only, well, not the only reason, but one of the reasons is because of what's called the Camino for Good. And I called you earlier one of the architects of the program and it's about trying to bring change. So, talk, tell us all about Camino for Good. When I in my in my um, Camino Blues phase, I, I'm a I'm a software developer, as I as I mentioned, probably more a database developer. And I know people come back from the Camino and write books as a way of of making sense of their own journey and a way to to uh, convey that to others. So, for me, I wanted to write a a, a program. I used a program uh, on the Camino called Blend Camino, which, which is an app yeah. on the phone, and it was a great app. And I thought I wanted to write something similar and make it a bit better. And I know on your podcast you often ask people whether they're spreadsheet um, pilgrims or yeah. whatever, and I saw people grapple with spreadsheets and and you know, if if something changed in their itinerary, like they, they met someone and they were walking slower and it meant they had to change it all, upset their, upset everything and they had to do all the recalculations. And I thought, I can make something better than that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so I spent, a, I spent a couple of months sort of pouring over, pouring over all the towns I went through, uh, making routes, looking at accommodation, trying to work out the best way to to sort of plan a Camino, so on and so forth. In the end, the app didn't come to anything, but I learned a lot and it helped me in that sort of integration phase, yeah. I suppose. It mm. kept me distracted from... So what happened was when the pandemic hit, um, my one of my Camino family, Kelly... Uh, and her friend Susan had signed up to do a virtual walk across Tennessee. They're from they're from uh, Nashville, in Tennessee, and I signed up to do it as well. And I, I think it must have been simultaneously. We all came to a conclusion: this would be great to do for the Camino. Um, and so it was Susan's idea to maybe move that forward. 
And I got an excited uh, video call from uh, or video message from Kelly, which would have been about three o'clock in the morning for me. Yeah. Um, we've got this great idea. <laughs> Do you want to be involved? And I, I texted her right back and said, yes, I'm in. So what happened was a lot of the learning that I did in in creating that, well, semi-creating that app in, as part of my um, Camino Blues thing um, uh, was, was the framework for then uh, taking something forward. And basically we, we ended up forming, uh, we got another couple of people involved, all pilgrims, um, and we started to talk about, well, what do we want in this? What do we want to do with this? How is it going to, how is it going to su support people? We had the idea straight away that this would be a good way to raise funds for, for uh, albergues. And mm -hmm. because we had the model uh, of Casa Susie, Margaret Caffron ran a, a GoFundMe campaign even before the pandemic. Uh, that raised some money for Susie. They, they needed some electrical work done, and and we all knew that that all the albergues were going to be suffering through lack of uh, pilgrims. So we just, at the same time, we came up with this idea. We thought, what a great way uh, we could help. And so we looked at, well, what what are people going to um, be prepared to pay? money to use in order that we can help the albergos. So we sat down and, and tried to figure out how we could create a pilgrim experience using, um, you know, technology. Yeah. And the sorts of things we came up with, we wanted people to be able to collect a stamp along the way. We wanted them to go through all the towns. We wanted them to be able to to join a group and, and become uh, you know, like a virtual Camino family, get to know people around them and all Fantastic. that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a lot of encouragement from John Briley. We asked John Briley if if we could quote his uh, guidebooks. Um, so as people reach a town, um, you know, they, they log their distance uh, each day as they're walking in their local area. As they reach a town, it gets unlocked and they can see... Um, photos and read some of John Briley's text and and hear stories from other pilgrims. We've got a, a number of people have been very generous in giving us two to three minute uh, clips of their um, their journey. So every town is a bit of a surprise right. as to what what's going to be there. So so we created it. So that was we all had a, a hand in that and we we contracted a software development company. The, the technology was beyond my capability and I recognised that very early in the piece. And so we hunted around for someone uh, who would be able to translate our ideas into something that was going to work. And, and as it turned out, um, the developers were so... Ex the developers we contracted were so excited by it that they ended up joining us um, so, uh, Veronica's from Spain, from Madrid. Right. Uh, so uh, we have a Spanish, <laughs> Spanish translator, I guess, and uh, and she's had a deep affinity for the Camino, even though she hasn't walked it. We're trying to get her over there to walk it. So, what are you hoping to achieve? Look, well, what we've achieved so far, uh, well, there's there's a couple of things. So far, we've um, managed to provide what we're calling relief funds to albergues to the tune of about $57,000 uh, US, which translate, I guess, to around about $75,000 Australian. Um, the, the thing... So we, we've always had in our mind of helping the albergues, yeah. but we we haven't really given any consideration to to the people. And, and this has been, I've been supporting uh, people through a Facebook group, like virtual pilgrims through a Facebook group. And 
for about the first week of starting to do that, I, I had tears welling up in the back of my eyes. And the reason for that is that all the work that we'd done in order to make this a genuine pilgrim experience, all the support we'd had or encouragement we'd had from people like John Briley and others who John Briley um, reiterated that it is possible to have a Camino experience virtually. Mm, um, yeah. And, and I realised as people are walking along that in this group I, I set the... I set the standard of support and encouragement so the group doesn't get into any, you know, this pack is better than that pack stuff. Mm. It's always people are posting their their local walks. People are being encouraged or encouraging themselves to find things about their local area that they've never visited before. Um, we're finding... We're starting to develop through this group, which is now a private group. People are starting to open up with their lives. And, and we've got people who are recovering from knee surgery. We've got people who are recovering from, from um, uh, you know, loss of a loved one. Exactly the same that, that you'd find on the Camino. Yeah. You know, pe people are dealing with all sorts of stuff. And I just... It just fills my heart to know that people are, we're, you know, we're in the order of thousands of people now that are getting such a rich benefit out of this experience. And um, so we're continuing to improve uh, the features of the app and we're continuing to match. We're, now that we've got a, a, a good sample size, um, we're getting feedback from people as to where they would uh, like to, you know, th features in the app that they'd like to see, and we're we're developing those and rolling them out uh, bit by bit. The, the other thing we realised too is that w we originally thought, well, this is a substitute. People can't get to the Camino, and um, so this is something that they can do. What we're finding, though, is we've, we've got people who are never going to walk the Camino, They've, either through age, physical fitness, life circumstance or whatever, and yet they're having a true pilgrim experience. And it just, you know, my heart... Yeah. My heart's filled by that. Yeah, how fantastic. So yeah. how, how do you choose the albergues that will receive the funds? So... What we do, we we get we have a, a button on our website that albergues it's a, um, can click and and fill in the details. They're, they're simple details. The questions are in Spanish uh, and English, and um, so that's the starting point. We get what we do is people are now coming to us with making suggestions. Oh, this alberge needs help. That um, yeah. you know. And we're reaching out. Bill Austin, our one of our partners, he's our alberge contact person. So he reaches out to them and invites them to uh, fill in the form. So that's the starting point for it all. Wonderful, yeah. So people, and as we as we come up, um, <laughs> you know, as we come up with them, what, what we're finding is um, some. Some albergues are so far in debt or circumstance that they're sort of beyond help, um, you know, that they're closing down and we just don't have the resources. But we're finding that in order to get through to the next stage, you know, and I'll say next stage in inverted commas because we don't know. Yeah. We still don't know when things are going to open up and that's where... But in order to get to the next stage, whatever they perceive that to be, we're providing funds of around, you know, two thousand to three thousand dollars US um, to uh, Alberto. Sometimes less, sometimes more. We, we evaluate and just see um, how much, how much our contribute, what our capacity to contribute, how much um, difference that's going to make. And what we what we are finding though is. We're also giving hope. I, 
I know Furman was saying in a podcast last week that um, Spanish people culturally aren't open to to receiving mm. uh, support. Yeah. And and when we work with particularly um, people who who you know wouldn't see that as part of their culture, they they're just I mean they're amazed, but but they're getting hope. Like like we come we've come across a lot of albergos who who have sort of lost hope or in that stage of it where they just can't see any light at the end of the tunnel, and even though we may not be able to solve everything for them that just giving them that little little bid just helps them to move through that stuck stage that they're in. Yeah. And um, and we're seeing change happen. And they, you know, they send us videos and, and you know, tell us stories and all that sort of stuff, which is um, quite thrilling for us. It, it's everything that we wanted to achieve back... <clears throat> in in May last year and everything we talked about is coming to fruition and yeah. we're just delighted, absolutely yeah. delighted. How fantastic. Um, wh- where would you like to see the program in, say, I don't know, three to five years or even ten years? <laughs> I, I have this cheeky little thing and I don't know, I don't know if anyone's going to be on board with it, but I'd like it, and I don't know that it would be appropriate, but I'd like a sort of a... To, to gamify it in a way. So so when you start, you have to select the size of your pack, like, and um, the size of your pack determines how much stuff you can take. Um, so, you you know, you've got a selection of things that you put in. And my, my yeah. favourite one is a hairdryer. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I know lots of, lots of people have, have asked, you know, can I take my hairdryer? Will I be able to plug it in? And... And yes, you know, in in this game idea, they plug, they put the hairdryer in, and they go off. The problem is with all the weight, the distance you can walk without getting blisters sure. um, is reduced. So that's you, a great idea. You get these v- virtual blisters, and so then you have to then you have to uh, lose something along the way in order to be able to keep going. <laughs> you know, or you, or you get a day's penalty where you can't progress yeah. because you've got to get your foot treated, all that sort of stuff. I, that's my little personal quirky thing. <laughs> um, and it would be a lot of fun, but whether that's of value or not, I don't know. But, uh, you know, technology, we we you know, very aware that technology moves on. One of the things I'd really like to see is as people arrive in a town virtually, that they're able to have a real-time connection with someone who's in that town. So, uh, you know, they can, like, have a set up a little Zoom call or something. So, you know, they've hit the town virtually, but there's someone there who can talk to them, oh, this is, yeah. you know, these are the people that are here. And yeah. and I think, I think that's really achievable and that would be a... a more of more value than the little game that I'd, I'd really like to play. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think that's fantastic. Tell us about yeah. what you've learned uh, since you began this Camino for Good journey. And I mentioned at the top of the interview the global Camino community, and you mentioned working with people in the United States and, and in Spain. What's it like working on a project in a sort of global, in a global, you know, community, a global art room, as it were? Look, I, I suppose, so ever since May, we've been meeting twice a week as a group uh, and via Zoom. So every every Monday evening and every Thursday evening uh, we get together and and discuss and do whatever, you know, we've got agendas and all that just like a, just like a real business. <laughs> well, it is just like a real business. Yeah. The, the, what I've learned, though, <clears throat> is that deep connections can be formed virtually, you know, via Zoom. I, you know, I long for the day when I can see these people again in person. Uh, a couple of them I, I have met in person, but the others, I've got to know them uh, only through a, the screen and through a microphone. Yeah, but it seems it seems as real. 
I suppose the thing is all of us involved have been involved in business or some enterprise where we've been in total control. And that goes for myself as anyone else. What we've had to, had to learn to do is to let go of wanting to control everything and let the project dictate what needs to be done. And that's taken some time for all of us to, to uh, trust each other to do what they to do what we say we're going to do, and and that was that took us a bit of letting go. So the people that are doing marketing, I don't even want to know about marketing <laughs> because I have my own area that I work on, uh, and they trust me to do that, and I trust them to do their bit. So once we were able to establish that, and and it comes back to that thing I said about trust on the Camino, you actually bring, people bring the capacity to be trusted and to trust others. And I think that's that's been reflected in the way we've been able to be co-architects of this, um, this program and, and everything that goes around it. It's not just an app, but it's it's the, um, you know, all the marketing, all the newsletters, everything that goes around it. And until we started to, to let go and start to trust each other um, to do that, that's when we started to move forward. And so it, it just comes back, and that's when we felt like a family. Yeah. And it really reinforces for me that, that trust is so important uh, that's the willingness to trust others and the capacity to be trusted are so important in any uh, in any undertaking. Really, that's probably been my biggest lesson. So you encourage people to walk this virtual Camino. That's a good way to stay motivated, isn't it? It's a good way for me to stay motivated <laughs> because I, I've got to walk the walk now. You know, like I've got to walk each day. I can't, I can't sit and, you know, in my office and and talk about encouragement and support unless I'm actually embedded myself in it. Yeah. So I'm out walking every day. I'm doing exactly what our our pilgrims are doing. I'm posting photos. I'm talking about my. My life story. I'm talk- every week we have a, as part of this we have a, a weekly. Uh, uh, I'm going to use the word newsletter. We do have a newsletter, but but we have a a, a practice for each week with it that has a keyword, and the keyword um, last week was hope, and that really had me struggling uh, with. Well, what does hope mean in a in a world that that it's it's really difficult to make decisions about? You know, I'm sort of sitting here like most people in the world, just waiting for something to happen that I can then get on with my life. And yeah. and you know, a funny things happened out of that. One of the one of our virtual pilgrims, uh, her name's uh, Jean Marie came up with the idea of, of putting out a, a yellow, uh, painting a yellow arrow on a rock. And it seems fairly simple, but it seems such a great idea. I've been, I've been longing to see a yellow arrow. And you know what it's like down on the, on the Camino. When you see a yellow arrow, it says, yes, I'm on the right path. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's the message. Every yellow arrow says, I'm on the right path. So, a number of people around the world are now painting, and it's only happened in the last week, are painting yellow arrows on rocks and just placing them around in the area that they walk. And, and to me, they, they've become, to me personally, a symbol of hope hmm. um, that the Camino is going to open up again. I am going to be able to go over there. I am going to be able to walk with people. I am going to see yellow arrows. I am going to be guided by that. So... So as we're progressing through this, I'm getting as much out of it as as what I'd hoped other people have, and that's going to continue because I can't see 
it's such a such a great experience for me personally. Um, and I'll just I'll just start again once I'm in Santiago. I'll just start again and walk with a whole other set of pilgrims. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> you say uh, you say, Lindsay, on the Camino for Good website, you say. We descended the last stairs before the cathedral with linked arms, mixing joy, sadness, grief, exhilaration and pride. We were celebrating the forming of lifelong friendships. That was the moment for me when the Camino had ceased to be a long-distance walk and had become my lifelong purpose. I was a pilgrim for good, and I'm sure you met a pilgrim for life, but it also means a pilgrim for good. Yes, I, I'm tearing up at that, Dan, <laughs> so <laughs> just bear with me for a sec. <laughs> Not at all. No, no. I, I, Having my own words come back to me and then especially from you gives them a depth, I suppose, yeah. It's lovely. It's really lovely. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful piece of writing. What's more, it's a beautiful sentiment. Um, now, I know that we're going to run out of time, so let me just ask you a quick question. Can pilgrims try the app before they sign up? Yes. So uh, they can go to our site. You can, you can sign up. You have to create an account. But before you pay, um, you can uh, test it out and you walk basically the first eight kilometres or five miles and so you get to Hunto, uh, you know, you go – so you can see what it's about. You yeah. can see the features and all that sort of stuff. So, Brilliant. So there's a if, – if you download it from the Apple Store, uh, you hit a paywall, um, what they call a paywall. That's a new term that I've learned in all this. Um, but, yes, you can try it for free. CaminoForGood.com is the website. And you yep. can also find it on the Apple Store. Listen, before we go, tell us a Camino story. I can't remember the name of the place, but it was a great albergue and I was out having a wine out, outside, um, enjoying the wine, and one of the, um, with a friend, one of the, one of the family um, uh, had knocked off for the night and he gave us another bottle of wine. So I'd probably consumed a little more than I'd be used to and and I, 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 I rarely drink, to be honest, but just this night, you know, the, in Spain, the atmosphere, the friendship, the camaraderie. So I got... I got um, it, we were out later than the uh, albergue uh, closing hours and someone let us in, you know, another one of my family let us in. And, of course, everyone's in bed. And I, because I'd been so rushed, I hadn't taken anything off my bed. So anyway, I, I managed to climb up okay, got changed, climbed up okay. But half my bed was taken up and I was on the top bunk. Half my bed was taken up with stuff that I was probably not in the right mind to organise. About three o'clock in the morning, I woke up mid-flight, <laughs> falling out of the top bunk. <laughs> Luckily, it was feet first, but I just laughed and laughed and laughed and <laughs> laughed, waking everyone in the whole in the whole place, and it was it was. The person under me, who was also uh, one of our uh, Camino family, Linda, all the only song that she could have in her mind was "It's Raining Men," and she reminds me, she reminds me of that <laughs> every time, every time we meet. I think that's and it's fantastic. The, it was uh, just a really funny night. Oh, that's fantastic! Yes, I fell out of a bed in Fromista one night as well. Actually, didn't even I ro- climbed up on the ladder and fell straight back out again. So yeah, we've all we've all done it. Lin- Lindsay, look, I, th- I think in in this day and age with COVID nineteen making lives and life different, difficult and more complicated, it's reassuring to know there's a community of pilgrims around the world to welcome you, to nurture you, and to be your support in this difficult time. So thanks for taking the time to talk to us today and congratulations to you and your colleagues for taking the time to bring our global community together 
and for taking some of those funds back to where it's needed most, and that is on the Camino. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Buen Camino. Buen Camino, Dan. Thanks so much. My guest this week, Lindsay Tayshanay, an Australian pilgrim involved in establishing Camino for Good, an app where you track your walking progress and contribute to albergues along the way. You'll find all the information you need at CaminoForGood.com. Have fun, get fit, help others, and share the spirit, the Camino spirit. CaminoForGood.com. Time moves on. 2021 and 2022 are holy years. Camino is waiting for you. Be patient and present. Find the now in you. Time will wait. Your time will come. The Chinese philosopher Lao Shu said, Life is a series of natural and spontaneous changes. Don't resist them. That only creates sorrow. Let reality be reality. Let things flow naturally forward in whatever way they like. I love that. If only we're brave enough, I guess. Look, thank you so much for your company this week and every week. I look forward to joining you again next Tuesday. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere along the way